Wednesday, September 19, 2018. This is Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. Uh, it's been a little while since we put out an episode. Uh, last week, I was fully prepared to put out an episode, but I wanted to include information on uh, on the hurricane and how it was impacting facilities and veterans down in North Carolina and Virginia. And each time I would record my monologue, I'd get ready to put it together and then new information would come out and I'd feel obligated to include that information. So I ended up rec- I ended up recording my monologue about three or four times and uh, finally sort of uh, decided, well, there's no way I can really keep up with this. And then had the dissonance of like, well, do I really put out, uh, do I put something out without acknowledging what's going on? And, you know, so I, I just gave it a wash. And uh, before I knew it, it was Friday. I just decided just to wait till, uh, wait till this week to put out the next episode. If you are interested in learning about uh, any of the impacts that the hurricane has had still on uh, VA facilities and veterans down in uh, the impacted area, if you go to www.va.gov, you'll see an alert banner at the top of the page. There is a link to VA's disaster assistance brochure that's going to answer some questions you may have regarding benefits during a time of disaster. Uh, and there's another link just below that. Veterans in the Mid-Atlantic regions can follow updates regarding VA medical centers, closures, evacuations, and then a link at our website. That's going to bring you to a uh, a web page that's going to have a bunch of information on Hurricane Florence updates, on what facilities were impacted, and what veterans need to know regarding benefits, healthcare, and such uh, moving forward as we recover from uh, from the disaster. This week's episode is a roundtable uh, discussion that I had with a uh, group of wonderful individuals at George Mason University. I got with Student Veterans of America and collaborated with this, with them on this. In the discussion, we have uh, the George Mason University uh, Mason Veteran Patriots Chapter Leader and President E.J. Del Perro. We have Kirsten Battaccio, who is a uh, student veteran at Georgetown University. You may recognize that name from earlier this year. She was on the podcast as a Student Veterans of the Year finalist uh, from at, at, uh, at NatCon this, uh, back in January. And then Jared Lyon, the president of Student Veterans of America. For the four of us talk about being a student veteran on campus as an individual. We talk about uh, getting involved with a local chapter, how that local, how, how that um, student veteran group or chapter can thrive, uh, the importance of collaborating and working with other clubs and your uh, and your university and other aspects of going back to school and getting involved with your campus, with your club, and being an individual uh, as a student veteran on campus. Enjoy. I served in Vietnam. I served in World War II. I served in Afghanistan. And VA serves us all. No matter when you served. No matter if you saw combat or not. There are benefits for veterans of every generation. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. 
www.thepatriotsocialnetwork.gov. All right, everybody sounds good. That that cup of that cup of coffee right there, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I need a little bit of my fuel right here. All right. Give me fuel, give me fire. <laughs> I've done so many of these with SVA, I don't know if we need formal introductions, but I do think that the audience should uh, have an idea of who we're talking to here. Uh, I'll start. Uh, uh, I am Tim Lawson, uh, host of Born the Battle, part of the digital media engagement team at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Sir, give, me, give us uh, your, your branch and your current role as a student veteran. All right, my name is EJ Del Piro. My branch is US Navy, and my current role as a student veteran is that I am in my last semester here at George Mason University and of my senior year, and I'm the president of the Student Veterans of America chapter, the Mason Veteran Patriots here at Mason. Word, Kirsten. Hi, I'm Kirsten Bataccio. I was in the United States Marine Corps. Um, I was the former president up at Manhattan College in the Bronx for their student veterans organization there, and now I'm starting grad school at the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown next week. <laughs> Jared Lyon, give us, uh, of course, we know the president of Student Veterans of America, sure. but for those that are unaware, you're, uh, where you are an alum to. Sure. Uh, so, Jared Lyon, I'm a Navy veteran. Uh, I am an alum of uh, Brevard Community College, which has changed its name to Eastern Florida State College for my associate's degree. I did my undergraduate at a small state school in Tallahassee. Nobody's probably ever heard of it. Florida State University. Go Knowles. Uh, and, uh, well, ouch. And then uh, I did uh, my graduate education at Syracuse University in upstate New York. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so the, the purpose of this discussion is to talk about uh, being a student veteran, uh, being a part of a chapter, chapter best practices. Uh, these are conversations that I've had with Jared. And is it Kirsten or Kirsten? Kirsten. It's Kirsten. Yes. Okay, forgive me now if I mess it, if I continue to say Kirsten because uh, just out of uh, habit. But um, Don't be sorry, Tim. Just be right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I am confident, though, when I when, when I mess it up, I'll be confident that I messed it up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so EJ, we're gonna st we're gonna start with you uh, since uh, this is a discussion that we haven't had you on the on the podcast for yet. Um, when it, when it comes to your your first experience as a student veteran, when you first came to campus, um, were you aware that there was a veteran group on campus, and if not? Uh, I guess the better question is, when did you learn that there was a veteran group on campus and how did you start getting involved with them? So my first couple of semesters here at Mason were difficult because I didn't really know anybody on campus here. And I started researching and eventually I went to, uh, to get some help from the Office of Military Services at Mason. And I learned about a student veteran organization that existed for over a decade called the Veteran Society of George Mason University. And I asked about that organization and, and how I could get involved with them. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, I'm sure this happens to a lot of chapters across the country, but uh, it just, it kind of dissipated as far as engagement was concerned. So it, it also was not affiliated with Student Veterans of America, which um, I knew very well, uh, working with some of the other veteran service organizations. And I decided to make an introduction between the Office of Military Services here at Mason and Student Veterans of America, um, Mark McKenna, who used to be the director of chapter support, came over here for a visit. He visited with our director and assistant director here at Mason, and it just really took off from there. Uh, Kirsten, uh, see, that did Kirsten. see, Kirsten. <laughs> You're forgiven. Yeah, thank you. Get it right. <laughs> I know, dang it. Um, 
what was um, when you were an undergrad? Uh, how did you learn about the you? Did you start your veterans group? Um, I, can't I helped. Remember. I you helped, helped create start it. It was a. It was. It's an, in its infancy when I first showed up. Like okay. Very very getting themselves together. So, so so then tell me about the void that you believe that you guys were filling by by developing that on your campus. Uh, sure. So when I started in 2015 of the fall, they had just started like bringing themselves together, like veterans, like having meetings and everything. And um, I think that was like one of the biggest things that we discussed, like what is the purpose? Like, why are we, uh, why do we want to form a a club or an organization on campus? Like, what will we be giving back to the campus? And so um, over the last three years, what we really decided to develop was um, we did academic panels. And so our biggest thing was we have these stories and we all have these different stories and different perspectives that we believe that we can share with the student body and the faculty. And so we did academic panels. Um, we teamed up with different departments. And um, so we did like a women who served panel. We teamed up with the women's uh, studies department. We did um, a minorities in the military panel. Um, and each time we have like our student veterans on a panel just discussing these topics. And it's like a two way street between the audience and the student veterans there. And it, it's been really good in um, uh just bridging that kind of divide between the civilian and military, and then also just um, just educating each other and uh, getting rid of any kind of stereotypes that existed. And um, it's been it's, it was really great. So I know they're they're continuing to do that now um, this year, and hopefully continue on in the future. Yeah. Now you're you're at Georgetown now, yes, which has a very established uh, veterans group. So how has it been now coming to a campus where it has a history? And not only yes. is it established, but it has a very solid history in the city. Um, so I haven't actually started yet. I start next week, um, but I've been like there for orientation. I've been on campus a little bit. So I see that there's a there's a pretty big military presence, uh, veter- veteran and active duty at Georgetown. So um, it, it's different, but it's great. It's been great so far. Did you did you do research on it? Did anybody try uh, reaching out to you when they knew you were coming? I know some schools, some, some campuses are even on top of it where they, they know someone's coming in on... Uh, are you still using some GI Bill benefits? I have for a the? year left. Okay, yes. so oh, but so yeah, well, that's great. So they <laughs> knew, so they may have known that you were. Did they reach out to you? Did you do in, in, the, uh, research on them? The actual student veteran. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I don't know if she's still the president or if she's the former president, but she it was another female Marine. So female Marine Corps is a very small demographic, very small pool. So indeed, we ended up finding out about each other like a year ago and like slowly like ended up messaging each other and we only just met maybe a couple weeks ago but um so that's really how uh, I got connected with their organization there um so tell me from SVA's perspective someone hits campus there's no chapter there's no veterans group but there's an interested party how does SVA uh advise them what sort of guidance can you provide to help them get it get it off the ground um with with knowing that you know, it's easy for those things to fail, right? If it, if it uh, after a couple of months, not everybody's into it, stuff like that. What sort of guidance do you guys give, not only in how to start one, but how to make sure that it continues to grow and maintains? Yeah, absolutely, Tim. I think it's a really good question. So Student Veterans of America is, is really nothing more than a, a conclave of student veteran groups uh, nationwide. Um, we've grown since 2008 to over 1,500 chapters in all 50 states and four countries overseas. And the unique thing about our model is that we're an affiliated model. So you heard EJ mention that when he first got here, there was a veteran group on campus, but they weren't affiliated with the national organization. Um, Some people were critical of that model early on, um, 
But I actually think it gives us a whole lot of strength because, you know, the chapters of Student Veterans of America um, are in their own right wonderful student organizations on their own campus. Each and every one of them are recognized student organizations on their own campus. And they choose to affiliate with the national network of student veteran success all over the country. And so where I think that's actually very cool is that our chapters actually are the ones that choose to affiliate with the national organization, which means that the national headquarters, we don't dictate to our chapters what to do. We actually work on their behalf to try to elevate what they're doing and to try to be supportive. So if you're on a campus that has a student organization, affiliating is pretty straightforward. Uh, You have to have uh, a few key things. Uh, The first is that you have to be a recognized student organization at your current campus. Um, You know, Veterans are returning back to campus all over the country uh, this week, uh, last week, and and the upcoming week. Uh, And when they're doing so, there are literally on most campuses hundreds of student organizations. I mean, as diverse as we are as students, there is a group that has an interest for you on a campus. A student veteran organization or an SVA chapter um, happens to be a grouping of student veterans, uh, uh, military-connected students. Uh, uh, That means that they might be on active duty, they might be in the Guard and Reserves, they might have gotten out of the military already and now veterans. Uh, They could be dependents on GI Bill, uh, or they could just be uh, connected to the military uh, through a variety of different ways to they might be just a traditional age college student and their high school sweetheart might be deployed right now. Um, You know, that has happened as well. Uh, But they come together and form the organization. The second requirement is that they have to be um, uh, have a set of governing bylaws, which is usually a requirement of being a recognized student organization. They have to have elected officers, so this will most uh, regularly manifest itself as the president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, uh, communications director, etc. Uh, and then the fourth requirement is that they have to have a member of the faculty or staff on that campus uh, that serves as uh, the chapter advisor. Before we are a part of a a chapter, though, we are students, right? We're students on campus. And I remember my first semester, I showed up, I went to classes, and I came home. Um, and I was I was made aware of uh, of American University's veterans group, and uh, I even knew some alum that were part of it. But it, you know, I just wasn't really uh, whatever. I, I just, I'm here to do my classes sure. and go. Um, and then when I finally became part of the group, um, those became my friends. And it wasn't even like the old like oh they know what you've been through, but like. They just naturally became my friends because they were their peers, yeah. right? And there's the great meme of Adam Sandler, right? And the, like from Billy Madison when he's in like third grade or whatever it is, like this is what it feels like to be had to be go to school in the GI Bill because sure. we're t- almost you know five to almost ten years elder of uh, the other students. They naturally become your peers and becomes your friend group, and it was really uh, you know it was very comforting to be there. What, um, I don't know if you have any like data or just simply an example or anything of the difference that SVA sees when a student veteran uh, is not a part of a group versus is part of their chapter, whether that means that they're heavily involved or just somewhat affiliated. Do you have any anything on uh, on just how that benefits the veteran? Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, it's a great question. So first and foremost, when student veterans come back to a college environment, uh, we are what higher education refers to as non-traditional students, right? We're typically over the age of 25. Uh, we're more likely than our civilian peers who have never served in the military uh, to be married, to perhaps have children, uh, to have a reason to work full or part time, uh, we're paying our own bills. Uh, you know, whether that's your your car payment, your insurance, rent, or a mortgage, those types of things. Um, but I think really one of the things that's amazing about higher education is that 
as students, we are really at our best uh, when a diverse group of us uh, comes together and feels included on a campus. And so where I think um, the biggest benefit of a peer-based organization is the inclusivity element of it. I mean, at SVA, as a national organization, we pride ourselves on being inclusive of, all, of veterans of all era, uh, regardless of, of when they served. Uh, they're very welcome uh, at SVA. Just a couple years ago, uh, there was a student veteran that graduated uh, from the University of Southern California. He was a World War II veteran. I think he was 93 years young when he graduated. Uh, still included as much as somebody who got out six months ago um, and is a newly minted veteran, if you will. Um, but one of the things that's, that's really kind of neat about inclusivity is the peer centricity of, uh, of, a, of a student organization, specifically an SVA chapter. So what we know is that uh, the, the number one predictor of success as measured by do does a student reach graduation, is whether or not they have a peer on campus. Um, it's not money, it's not course sequencing, it's not cultural competency. Those things are all important, uh, but if a student has a peer on campus, they are three times more likely to graduate than anything else. And it's so amazing. The number one thing you can give a student veteran is a peer, and, and the coolest thing about a peer is that it's such an individual definition. Uh, that could be if I was a woman, a, a, a fellow woman veteran, uh, but it could also just be if you're a student veteran, it might be a friend of yours from Calculus 3 that uh, is 19 years old and is, is somebody you associate as a peer. So yeah. honestly, to your point, it's friends, right? And it's this chance to meet friends, which forms the basis of a network that creates an affinity structure uh, by which you can leverage. Uh, in, in any variety of ways from, you know, n never eating dinner alone to going to a tailgate uh, to, to sort of showing up to a guest lecture that might be on campus, um, really enriching your student experience. Yeah. Yeah. I remember someone telling me there's nothing like one of the one of the most loneliest moments in life is when you have a meal alone, like by yourself. And Absolutely. I, I didn't really think much of that until I was until I went to college, because then like you go and get lunch, you're like, it'd be just kind of nice to have some 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 company right right here. Uh, EJ, with everything that, that we've brought up so far, how does it apply to what you've seen here at George Mason with uh, student veterans coming into your group and seeing uh, how they benefit from just being a part of that group of people? It's a great question, and uh, I think it's it's simple. And you know, SVA is changing lives. Our chapter here, Mason Veteran Patriots, or MVP for short, is top notch, and uh, the Office of Military Services are our biggest advocates here. So. You know, all of these things, they, they play a big role in, in, uh, in our experience as a student. Wonderful. Uh, going back to the um, Kirsten. He did See, it. He got it. I, I, paused, it. I paused to make sure <laughs> I was going to say it right. Got it. Um, when you were developing it, um, how, did you, how, how did you attract peop, uh, other student veterans to this brand new group? Because... You know, it was a little bit easier for Georgetown, the FSU, Syracuse, right? It's easy for these colleges to be like, look, we have this well-established organization. How was it when you were developing it to be like, no, seriously, this is going to be a thing. It's going to be great. Like, how did you get people to buy into it? And, and, and did they? Like, how seriously did people grab onto this idea? How, how like, veterans yeah, yeah. grab onto the idea? Um, honestly, I think it goes back to like what you all are talking about right now, it's like friend group. I think it's like human nature that everybody wants to be a part of a community. I think before that, we had all these. We are a different age, like most of us are twenty five or older. So I, we had all these like older students like walking around without that kind of like community. They kind of like lacked that family, that that friend group. So I think it was really easy to just start off 
with that and just be like, hey, do you just want to like hang out with us? Do you want to go grab drinks? Like it, it, we started bonding like really on a friend level first. And I think that's really um, once you start talking to them, it's kind of like, OK, well, how can we elevate this to the next level? Like we have all these stories and people are interested in us. And uh, we once we found f- found out all the great things SVA was doing throughout the country and what all the chapters are doing, we're like, oh, you know, we could do that, too. And so it kind of gave us um a standard to like strive towards as far as like what we wanted to implement at our campus and our college and everything and um uh but yeah but I think it all started with just like becoming friends with each other and I think that's human nature that everybody wanted to like find a community yeah could, could I ask a question to you yeah go Kirsten ahead Kirsten specifically about the Jaspers right do I remember yes, that correctly Jaspers. right and so um you guys do do a trip that uh that sort of happens at a certain time of year I yes. was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because I think it's unique to creating friendships. So that was like a really key element um, to Manhattan College that they have the Warriors at Ease um, program. So that started maybe like a semester before me. So it was really brand new when I came in still. But um, so Manhattan College, you have to take, um, I think there's like three religion classes that every student needs to take. So that like first religion course, um, Dr. Kaplan, Dr. Stephen Kaplan uh, decided to make a program basically where he took the veterans that were in that like religion, like 100, 161, whatever it was, took the veterans that were in that course and brought them down to a yoga retreat in the Bahamas um, as like part of like middle, in the middle of the semester. So the rest of the students in the class would go to lectures around New York City and on campus and everything to do their final paper, but he took the veterans in the class and they brought them on this trip to the Bahamas and at this yoga retreat, it was basically learning stress management skills and that was like the initially what he like wanted to do with the program but it ended up being greater than that because it bonded the incoming class of veterans every year so um I mean it was it was great like one you're in the Bahamas two you're learning about (laughs) yoga and stress management and then three you're I was fresh out of the Marine Corps at that point like three months out and now I'm like back in I'm like back in I'm I'm overseas again uh, with a bunch of Marines. Like, it was like 10 of us out there. So there was a lot of reasons why that that program was so successful, Uh, not just the skills that we learned and not just the fact that it was the Caribbean, but the fact that we were able to bond, like, outside of our, uh, like, comfort zone kind of thing. It was very beneficial. Like, bonded everybody throughout for the rest of the time we were there. Yeah. You were an MSG, right? Yes, I was. Yeah. But that was much different than a much different overseas experience than... uh, than I mean, I was also stationed in Barbados my third year. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. I mean... (laughs) Yeah. She's like, oh, we're going... There's similarities. Going back there. (laughs) Recore is a very different world, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, EJ, what sort of approaches uh, does does George Mason's group uh, take into uh, what we're talking about as bonding? Anything, uh, you know, it's difficult, especially in the Washington, D.C. area, it's difficult to get anybody's schedules to align in a way to to be able to do things. But uh, do you guys attempt anything in... Uh, in creating events or, or just social activities where you guys can bond and just get to, and just sort of build that camaraderie? It's a good question. We, we actually host a ton of events. We have found, and especially in our nation's capital here, that community and leading from the front is a great way to bond as a team. And so we've led service projects um, all around the area. We have one coming up actually for a 9-11 remembrance project at a local VFW post that supports the chapter a lot. And, um, you know, we have some more projects coming up in the in the future in November as well. Uh, so we found that service is a great way. It's a great way to give back and to recognize that, you know, we're a team still and we can accomplish great things. Um, we also host monthly 
monthly meetings where we bring in, you know, corporate sponsors to come in and share information about different, you know, employment opportunities. They, they bring pizza, which is nice. They bring, you know, sodas and everything. So uh, we have that. And then we, we just we take the second half of the meeting to go over our agenda, whatever that may be. Um, we've, we've done a, a, other events, too. Like, you know, we've, we've, we actually, through SVA, partnered with Focus Features to screen the darkest hour, which was a great experience for That's us. Cool. Mm-hmm. We're able to raise some money, too, which went right into our NatCon fund, um, which is, uh, is another team event that we're looking forward to going to here in January. I know Jared could talk a lot more about that. So. No, you're going to, you're going to NatCon? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> great. Well, yeah. we'll see you there. There will, there will be a session on the podcast. There'll be a, I expect to see you in the audience in there, uh, championing for the for <laughs> VA notes. digital products. I will be there, and, and likewise, shameless <laughs> plug here. But our chapter is leading an action lab. It was just approved to. Oh, on, thank you very much. On it's basically about why every SVA chapter should lead on campus through service. Yeah, so absolutely. Through those, yeah. I might sit on that one. Nice, <laughs> very well. Um, something that we something that hasn't come up yet in the handful of podcasts that we've done surrounding uh, SVA is including non-veterans into oh, yeah. the group. Um, I know at American, we were saturated is, is not meant to be insulting, but like it, we had a lot of ROTC uh, members in there. We had a lot of dependents who were, who were going on their, their family's GI Bill. And, they, and there was a lot of pushback from a couple people within the group, right? There's always going to be a handful that think that it should be a veterans group, but our, our group was better when we started not only including them, but offering them positions on the board. Um, we got stuff done quicker because <laughs> they know the intricacies of like the campus. They know who the people to talk to are, right? Um, so I'm curious, and I want to hear from all of you, and, and uh, we, we'll, we'll start, we'll just go down the line on sort of what you're, you know, do you have that involvement from ROTC students, dependents, other people that are just interested in, in being part of the veterans group, and how do you include them? It's a great question. We we definitely have the buy-in from ROTC here at Mason, from student government, you know, from other student groups that we work with and and engage with on, on different events here on campus. We also bring in a ton of partnerships with the veteran service organization community to, you know, to really throw in a, a ton of support and whatever somebody needs. So we're just like a resource hub. And uh, we we are definitely all inclusive. And, you know, um, our, our main, our, I guess our main charge is to um, bring the traditional college experience for the non-traditional student. Very well. Kirsten. Um, this was also a discussion because we were building up our organization over the last few years, and this was a conversation that we had, and some veterans didn't really like the idea at first, but no, absolutely, absolutely, it should be inclusive. To uh, That was the whole point. Like, like I said, like it's human nature to want to be a part of a community, but then once you get that community, you can't isolate that community from everybody else. Like, so the more you're bringing in people, the better. So over like a year ago was when we got the Veteran Resource Center finally on campus, like a little lounge. And once we got the lounge, like a space on campus, we had a lot of the civilian students, which I hate like saying it like that, but we had a lot of the civilian students like coming in and like hanging out with us. and. And we welcome them, like, come on in. Like, we have a uh, TV in here. Like, we're all hanging out between classes, and th- that's better. Honestly, we learn from each other. It's a two-way street. Like, I always try to push that. Like, we're not better than them because we served. We all volunteer to serve. Like, there's a two-way street here. I try to, like, drill that into every veteran's head that I talk to because it's, I think that's really important, honestly. And if I may add one thing, I just thought of this, uh, Kristen, when you were speaking. But uh, for our first year, we had a non-veteran as our VP. 
Yeah. And, you know, she was a staunch supporter of our organization and, and, and we did a lot of work. And we think that um, is a good way to add some leadership opportunities into uh, to students who just want to connect with the military connected population at their campus. Yeah, absolutely. Jared, both uh, the experience you had at your campuses and then SVA's guidance on uh, on on anything that you help with uh, with, um, you know, guiding uh, chapters that are that are curious for sure I mean the the thing I keep hearing reiterated over and over again is inclusivity right and if we look at the modern American college campus nationwide inclusivity is is exactly uh, you know what we're trying to have conversations about look at the top uh, corporations in America uh, diversity and inclusion are, is the language that they use and and so a word that I wish we didn't really have in our lexicon, is trying to create things like uh, like military friendly, uh, veteran friendly. I don't really know what that means, right? I, I mean, for me, it's sort of like thank you for your service. That's more of a conversation ender than it is a conversation starter. Yeah. And so the the thing that we kind of strive for, um, not just at Student Veterans of America, but as student veterans in America is is the opportunity to have veteran and military inclusivity. And so the ability to be included on campus means not being exclusionary of anyone on campus. And so in the early days of SVA, some 10 years ago, this is a big debate by uh, by chapter leaders all over the country. You know, can we or should we have non-veterans be part of our organization? And, and the simple reality is that we're all made better the more diverse our experiences are. I, I mean, I think there's that great quote, if we're, if we're all thinking alike, then we're probably all wrong. Um, I think it was also said by like a four-star general, right? But still, the the thought process um, aligns pretty well. So, you know, as far as guidance from the national headquarters, you know, we we strive to create inclusive environments where veterans, military dependents, future military leaders, i.e. ROTC members, and supporters have a chance to sort of come together around the common shared uh, understanding that we want to create inclusive environments uh, to really do good or leave things better than we found them. So the thing I keep hearing from Kirsten or from EJ is that like the things that we're doing, we're leading, uh, we're, we're having that servant's heart lead in front of us, and, and we're trying to bring everyone together to leave things better than we found them, whether that's for new students that come onto campus to make sure that some of the frustration points of being the new guy uh, in a class or gal in a, in a, in a campus event doesn't feel totally totally like the, the sort of new person uh, uh, syndrome, uh, but then also to just making sure that we all t- come together. Um, in my own personal experience, both in my undergrad at Florida State and in my graduate program at Syracuse University, uh, we had some great experiences uh, with the civilian students at Florida State very specifically. Uh, we got heavily involved in the Greek community. So these are uh, the on-campus service fraternities, traditional uh, fraternities and sororities on campus. Um, and we found ourselves joining their community service projects uh, or their events or socials and what we really found ourselves doing is feeling less like the Billy Madison picture that you describe right like the more we got to know the other students on campus and sort of take the blinders off to our veteran experience the more we started to make friends and dare I say start networking uh, because networking starts while you're still on campus because you got to figure out hey I mean we all know the best professor to take for a certain class unless the way that you register for classes is when they come open on the internet and you just go okay I need a 300 level class in math. Here it is, right? But you want to talk and say, hey, Professor Smith is actually, they follow the syllabus, uh, they keep the course on track, and, and you know what? They, they really do um, encourage conversation. Oh, that sounds a little bit better. Maybe Professor Jones has something else going on that I might appeal to. We learn this by talking to each other, and the chance that we can talk to our traditional student counterparts uh, really helps us feel included. 
But the other thing, too, is this is the first time in American history where only one in three college students state that they know a veteran firsthand, meaning they are not likely to have anyone in their family that served in the military. Shoot, they probably have nobody in their neighborhood that served in the military. So if we talk about the ability to bridge the civilian-military divide, a strong SVA chapter that is inclusive of anyone that is supportive of the military, veteran or otherwise, has that opportunity to make sure that America understands who their military connected population is at a really common shared experience, right? Higher education. So I think that uh, that's a great segue into the the experience in the classroom. Sure. Um, because like you said, it may not be the Billy Madison picture, but there's definitely disparity between yourself and, and, the, and, the, tradi- and the traditional student that's in there. Sure. Um, at American University, I was in a school communications. I very rarely dealt with a situation where, like, as the veteran, I was called upon for any given reason. But I know a lot of my friends that were in the School of International Service that came up a lot, right? As you're, uh, right, like, and as as you're talking about global and international issues and stuff, it just, you know, uh, you know, Kirsten, we'll we'll start with you since he decided to push your shoulder a little <laughs> bit there. I think he's volunteering you for yeah, this. You know, tell. Do you have an experience where you uh, where you were spotlighted either in a positive or negative uh, sense in the classroom because of your service and because of your your global experience? So when I was in the Marine Corps, like I was in for a little under six years. Five of those six years, I was abroad, and then I got out and I started Manhattan College like three months later. And so it wasn't only just like transitioning out of the military, it was culture shock coming back to America. <laughs> Thank God I chose New York City. Like I love DC in this area, but like you need to come to a city when you're, sure. over, when you're overseas that long. But so uh, I, my first class was global issues and I had one other Marine in there with me who had been there like a semester longer than me. And um, it came up all the time. And me and him both had different experiences overseas. Like obviously I was at the embassies. Um, I think he was with a squadron, but um, it, it came up all the time. And our perspectives didn't always, we didn't always share the same opinion we weren't like the token I wasn't the token marine in there saying what I thought and then that's what everybody thought the military <laughs> thought there was two of us in there and we didn't always agree and so that was even better that that way so there was no uh generalizing with what we how we perceive things but um yeah but global issues it comes up all the time like just I mean there were some students that had some study abroad experience and that was great too very different experience though yeah. and and obviously um at the embassies I was I was uh, seeing diplomacy like firsthand. Um, I was security at the embassies, but I was seeing the diplomacy from the foreign service firsthand. And so um, I think I had like a really unique take on some things. Um, it was just it was just different. It was a different experience. So um, I I was even more invested in what we were learning in the classroom because I was even more interested. Like oh that's why that was happening in that part of the world when I was there. And oh yeah I remember that happening because I was there for that. Like I remember the tsunami in Japan because I was there when that yeah. tsunami happened. Like all these things for global issues. Um and then I was I was in school for government international studies, so it came up all the time in all my classes. Yeah, did you ever have, did you ever have a moment? Um, and this only happened once, I'm aware of, uh, while I was an American, but. Uh, did you ever have an issue with a professor, um, with them making any slights against military service during their class period? There was one instance we had in American where there was a professor that wouldn't be direct at it, but anybody who paid attention could tell that they were there was some shade being thrown towards uh, you know the veterans that were in, in. And I think it was sort of to counter some of the, well, I've been around, I know what I'm talking about in this, but sometimes it was a little too premature. Um, have you did you experience anything like that? I remember there's one time that a professor was kind of suggesting that if 
the government, like if the federal government or like if there's too much military in um, policy, like in politics or in the White House or whatever administration, that it would be we would be more driven to war. And he didn't say it like directly, but he definitely alluded to it. And when he alluded to it, I like kind of challenge that because I feel like that's the opposite because I don't think those things are opposite ends of the spectrum I think they're collaborative and so in the classroom they kind of like I think that might be a misconception of with a lot of um, people that they think it's like the opposite ends of the spectrum and sure. he kind of alluded to that and then I, I, mean, I corrected him I said no I don't think that's true <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> uh, EJ any experiences like that either with yourself or the other student veterans at George Mason you know it's interesting Tim because I'm also in the school of communication here at George Mason University. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We, we do talk a lot about current events and everything, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jared. I, this is this might have been said by SVA at some point, but students first, veterans always. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. So that's kind of how I actually have been, you know, operating here on campus. If I go to class, I, I don't I don't try and highlight the fact that I'm a, a student vet. But um, if someone asks me, I'm proud to talk about it. But I just, you know, engage as a student in the class. And, and I don't really see a lot of negativity here at George Mason. You know, we we also are one of the most diverse or diverse universities in the country. So, you know, we, we definitely understand that people are coming from all walks of life here. And, and you don't see a lot of negativity, you know, towards veterans here so sure uh i my i had a communications uh professor um who it was for a broadcast class and whenever there was a word that was commonly mispronounced she always let me know when veterans typically mispronounced it uh it only happened like two or three times (laughs) but like she'd be like it's actually iraq and veterans often get that wrong and i'm like so does half the people at american university and this is considered a global campus right like and she did that at least two or three times i just went with like because she wasn't wrong right like but i was like you're not saying you're not saying that to any other demographic in the room. You're like you're only pointing that out to. So it's it's interesting when that happens. And and I was like you, and I'm sure many like I didn't go in there. Where, I mean, there's some guys going in there with like their like tactical like outfits and it's tactical. Per- yeah, that's right. Beer. And uh, you know, but there's it's you know they ask you you know oh how do you know that or how are you so familiar with that like oh well, I lived there right like oh like oh were you visiting Moscow no I lived there for a year and then I'm like well why are you there for it like and then and that raises plenty of questions but um yeah so <laughs> sooner or later sure. they find out you're a veteran and it's sometimes it's difficult for them to look past that label right and sure. and, and like I said sometimes it's you know intent versus impact a lot of times they go to you for the for perspective when they re, when without realizing they're only ever going for you to you for that perspective uh, Jared, SVA's guidance on if there's ever, I'm sure you guys hear about issues on sure. campuses of either problems with other students or, or professors. How do you advise uh, chapters to handle that? Yeah, so in the early days of Student Veterans of America, honestly, Tim, it was it was a lot more common. You know, that was, um, that was the days of uh, we were just sort of... Um, uh, even even prior to having the post 9/11 GI Bill up and running uh, before forever GI Bill, um, we were still on the Montgomery GI Bill. Um, you know, we sort of have um, we've been at war for a long time now. Uh, but back in 2006, 2007, 2008, um, we were just starting to return home the generation who had come in either just before September 11th, 2001, or had uh, run to enlist uh, or join um, just shortly after September 11th, 2001. And, you know, it was it was an influx of veterans. Um, 
and it's sort of kind of evened out now. And I think higher education has gotten very used to the fact that veterans are on campus, uh, that there is student veterans uh, uh, not only involved uh, uh, on campus, but in all of their classrooms. So it happens a lot less. Guidance is pretty straightforward. Um, in the instances where it, where it is happening, um, I mean, I think much in the same way uh, that, that uh, Kirsten and EJ uh, mentioned it, it's sort of address it, have the conversation in the same way that you did, Tim. Uh, but it comes down to your own comfort level, right? Because you had the one professor that was sort of a snide remark of, well, and veterans often mispronounce <laughs> Iraq, right? It's like, well, great. Uh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Noted. Um, you know, it, it's kind of up to the individual at first, but if, if you feel wronged or slighted, um, you know, often one of the best places to start is if your campus does have an on-campus veteran resource uh, center, or you've got somebody, uh, uh, that might be the vet center director or that sort of thing. Being able to talk to a professional on campus um, is often a really good place to start. Additionally, too, if you Google, uh, any anyone can do this on your campus, um, I feel that I've been wronged at such and such university, you will see a myriad of resources pop right up where you can file a formal complaint if you need to. Um, but you can even do things where uh, often student government associations uh, or SGAs on campuses have arbitration uh, that you can go through. You can have st a student arbiter uh, where you can follow a process that way. Um, but uh, it is complicated. It is confusing. And our chapter uh, leaders from around the country uh, can always contact us at the Student Veterans of America National Headquarters in Washington, D.C., and we can talk them through because every instance is usually unique, um, and we can help advise uh, to the best of our ability through that process. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have, we have cruised through these topics and everybody's nailing their answers. I love it. Uh, we have time for one or two more questions. I want to, is there anybody in the room that has, that wants something discussed? Uh, you can either ask the, ask the group or, uh, oh, you got something. What do you got? Uh, just some talking points here. In oh, case, okay. In case we had extra time. <laughs> you can't. <for> yeah. <laughs> I like that. The, the communications major. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. EJ is going to take. All right. EJ, what do you got for us? We have a question in the room. Actually, our. our Yeah, so that, so that, so if the, the uh, to to get it on the on the recording, the the topic is aligning yourself with other things that are going on in campus and not either recreating the wheel or separating yourself through your own initiatives. A lot of times you see that, especially around Memorial Day, Veterans Day, where the veterans group feels like they should be doing their own thing, uh, and often forget that their university will have already something in place that they can help just enhance and mm -hmm. make better. Um, EJ, I'll let you run with that. Thank you for that question, Jennifer. Is that director of Office of Military Services here. I appreciate that. So yeah, a great example of that in our chapter here is that we wanted to throw a 9-11 day of service and we weren't sure what we were going to do, but we aligned ourselves with the Mason Nation 9-11 day of service planning committee. So we joined that. We joined the Mason Service Council and we worked with students and uh, we set up some projects uh, alongside our fellow students here at Mason to uh, have a successful uh, day here at the university. And we're also going to be going out, you know, outside of campus to do something extra, but... 
We won an award as well for our Operation Legacy, which took place in the spring semester. And that was with Travis Mannion Foundation, Wounded Warrior Project, the Michigan continues. Student Veterans of America was a, was obviously a huge supporter. Um, and we had the Director of Programs come in, in, and speak at that event. And uh, so we won an award for that because it was a big collaboration alongside um, you know, George Mason. We, we worked with student government on that. And uh, the organization that we supported that is actually a bunch of high school teachers at Mount Vernon High School in Alexandria, which is the same county that Mason falls in, uh, are all George Mason alum. And they, you know, are helping kids at the school to have increased access to food. And so we went and we rebuilt, reinvigorated their community garden, which is actually also a distribution center for their nonprofit, A Place to Stand. So we won an award for that, which we really appreciated in it. And it highlighted exactly what Jennifer mentioned, which is when you work alongside the university and you find ways to collaborate, you, you know, it's, it's better for everybody. Word. Kirsten, do you have uh, any exam- anything like what, in, in Manhattan? Did you guys find yourself having to sort of grassroots your own events or were there opportunities on, on campus to, to partner up? Um, so with the panels, we ended up partnering up with the departments. Um, so they do lectures anyways, the department. So we kind of partnered up with them in that way. And, and, and by doing that, we kind of brought in different groups of students each time. So we would bring in, uh, the engineering students once sometimes, and sometimes it'd be the business students. And so, and that way we kind of built our network out, uh, just by reaching out to different departments and academic academia sure one thing i appreciated on uh, at american is we had such a good uh, relationship with the school that if they didn't have something going on, if it was military or veteran related, they would come to us to help, oh, great. you know, to help organize it. And so um, they they knew that if they had a void to fill, they knew which dem- which group, which demographic, which club to go to to make sure that that was happening in the right way. So a Memorial Day event, 9-11 and stuff like that. Uh, EJ, we got time for one more topic. What do you got? Make it good. Then I have to mention SVA's Leadership Institute because I was lucky enough to be a part of that last year. It was incredible. We went to Dallas. I was mentored personally by Barrett Bogue, staff member at SVA, and uh, actually a former deputy secretary of the VA, which was Sloan Gibson, was there in the room as well, and we were mentored for three days. We, we had an opportunity to meet uh, former President Bush and just you know learn about leadership and learn about all kinds of different things, um, which was, was pretty remarkable. And this year, I'm proud to say that Mason and Veteran Patriots is uh, is going to be sending two uh, chapter members to the Leadership Institute, which is going to be here in Washington, D.C. this time. So excited to hear about that. Uh, but yeah, I figured I'd mention that. And they're both in the room. I just They noticed. are both in the room. Yeah, so. very well. I like that. I like George Mason veterans doing things. That's awesome. Uh, we had uh, Jess Houghton from American did a Leadership sure Institute while she I was did. president uh, at American University. Kirsten, have you done a Leadership Institute? I was there last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was your experience? Uh, it was great. I mean, I got a huge network, a hundred motivators there in Dallas. Motivators. Every person yeah, I met was just so impressive. Every student veteran I met, it was just constant imposter syndrome when I was there. But it was it was awesome. It was it was a great experience. So yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to hear how everybody has a, what kind of time they have this year. I'm sure it'll be great. Well, we're bringing the Leadership Institute to Washington D.C. this year, so you're welcome to come back as alumni and just hang out. Uh, pay for your own food though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny you said motivator because when Jess Houghton came back, 
man, she got me in line so sure. fast. I tried canceling a meeting because I, I wasn't feel like I wasn't feeling right. Like I was, I was, I was a little under the weather, weather, and I was like, and she, she was like, she's like, no, this is too late to cancel the meeting. Ever, and it was her post leadership institute motivation that was like, no, this is how we're doing that things. Leadership institute high. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I always love when a sailor tells a marine what to do. <laughs> that's my favorite yeah. moment. Yeah. Well, that was definitely a moment when that happened for sure. Um, very well. So plug the leadership. In, is it is do people have time to apply? Like I don't know. What so the the leadership institute happens once a year, and it is quite literally the top one hundred SVA chapter leaders from all across the United States. So the application is closed. It'll be hosted uh, this September um, in Washington D.C. So we got a few surprises that I won't uh, list, but the application is is often open every year. And our next major event would be the Student Veterans of America National Conference, or SVA's NatCon for short, which will be in Orlando, Florida, uh, this upcoming January. That's right. I'll be there. EJ, you'll be there? I'll be there. Kirsten, well. you going? I'll probably be there. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jared, you're maybe, or are you probably going to go? I, I, uh, I, I'm going to be there. Okay. I will be there. Very well. I'm ex- or uh, I'm terrible at my job, so yeah. I, yeah, I'll be there. Very well. All right. Well, I am Tim, EJ, Kirsten, Kirsten, I was almost like, I was like, oh, I messed it up. No, I, I want to see right. if he can do your last name. Yeah, what's That's my last name? New, I have on purpose been Pistachio. Yeah. Pistachio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think she told. I think when I first met her, she told me it's like pistachio. With yeah, the, you know, it, was, it was. A, it was like you've definitely said that line three thousand times I in your it. life. Yeah, that is like the most cheesy networking thing, though, Listen. right? Like find that like my one little. My grandfather used to get pistachio. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, but I'm tradition. like, it's Lawson. It's like Dawson with an L. They're like, no, Lawson's fine. We got the. Yeah, we 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 know how to say your name. Timothy Dawson. Creek laws. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, thank you for the, so much for joining me. Thank you for the people in the room for, for hanging out during this live recording of Born the Battle. Uh, and I'm sure uh, I'll partner up with SVA again in the future. We will be at NACON uh, doing a presentation and more uh, podcast recordings. So uh, thank you for everybody who was involved. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us here at Mason, too. We really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. You're, you're <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. Yay! Yay! <laughs> grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. Again, big thanks to George Mason University for hosting us. It was a really, really great time. Um, this was recorded probably two or three weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I think. Um, we uh, we recorded in a uh, in a conference room that was provided. We had a had a small audience there watching us record. We were, it was live streamed from Student Veterans of America's Facebook page. Uh, so if you're if you're interested at all in seeing the visuals on that, watching us have that conversation, um, you can find it in the video section at Student Veterans of America's Facebook page. We mentioned NatCon in the discussion. If that's something that you or your local chapter is interested in, uh, it looks like early bird registration for NatCon is open. Studentveterans.org is their website. Uh, 
I am endorsing this not only as um, as a partner, as a, they're they're a great partner for VA and how they uh, service student veterans and those that are exercising their GI Bill benefits. Um, but I was also once a student veteran, and I've gone the NAT, I've gone to their NACON as a student veteran, and there's a lot of great information. There's a lot of great connections to be made. And um, for those of you that have heard my story, I think I've mentioned it at least, I've told it at least once on this podcast, um, the job that I currently hold with the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, it can be traced back to a NatCon appearance uh, back in 2016 when I uh, reconnected with a friend there. So um, NatCon holds a special place in my heart and it's extremely valuable for uh, chapters and student veterans alike. The bonus on that is I will be at this upcoming NatCon um, talking to student veterans and uh, student veteran chapters and clubs about how you how they can use VA digital media products to best tell their story. So we're going to talk about the podcast. We're going to talk about veteran of the day. We're going to talk about submitting blog submissions. We're going to talk about submitting photos for Instagram, possibly. Um, we're going to. I'm going to talk about all of the platforms that VA has and how student veterans can use those, how they can contribute to those to tell the story of what's going on inside their lives, inside their chapters, and on their campus. So. Um, if uh, if NACON was didn't already seem cool enough, uh, there's enough there's an even more reason to go. This week's Medal of Honor citation reading is uh, in honor of Friday's Prisoner of War MIA Recognition Day. September 21st is Palmia Day, um, and so this week's Medal of Honor citation reading is. Uh, in recognition of a veteran who served and was uh, a prisoner of war at some point. This citation is for Donald Cook. Service is U.S. Marine Corps, rank of colonel. Division was Naval Advisor Group, Military Assistance Command. Conflict is the Vietnam War. Year of Honor, 1964. Citation reads, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while interned as a prisoner of war by the Viet Cong in the Republic of Vietnam during the period from 31 December 1964 to 8 December 1967. Despite the fact that by so doing he would bring about harsher treatment for himself, Colonel Cook established himself as the senior prisoner even though in actuality he was not. Repeatedly assuming more than his share of the manual labor in order that the other prisoners of war would improve the state of their health. Colonel Cook willingly and unselfishly put the interest of his comrades before that of his own well-being and eventually his life. Giving more needy men his medicine and drug allowance while constantly nursing them. He risked infection from contagious diseases while in a rapidly deteriorating state of health. This unselfish and exemplary conduct, coupled with his refusal to stray even the slightest from the code of conduct, earned him the deepest respect from not only his fellow prisoners, but his captors as well. Rather than negotiate for his own release or better treatment, he steadfastly frustrated attempts by the Viet Cong to break his indomitable spirit, 
and passed this same resolve onto the men with whose well-being he so closely associated himself. Knowing his refusals would prevent his release prior to the end of the war, and also knowing his chances for prolonged survival would be small in the event of continued refusal, he chose nevertheless to adhere to the code of conduct far above that which could be expected. His personal valor and exceptional spirit of loyalty in the face of almost certain death reflected the highest credit upon Colonel Cook, the Marine Corps, and the United States Naval Service. We honor his service. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you for everybody take, for taking the time to listen. I know there's a lot of options out there for entertainment, so I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to me and these veterans discuss uh, the importance of sharing our service, sharing our transition, sharing our current vocation and how we are contributing not only to the veteran space in our veteran community, but our communities everywhere. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at D-E-P-T Vet Affairs for more stories and images from our community. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.